Hey lifters, welcome back to another episode of Lifting the Rug. It's been a hot minute, okay? It's been a really long time, um, but we're back. I'm back. Uh, Lesia is crazy busy, but we're going to do a congratulations to her. She got into University of Miami. So excited for her. So she's dealing with all the logistic things, getting ready for fall, getting geared up. She deserves this. She's incredible. Um, she's going in for entrepreneurship, which is super exciting. Uh, so we start off with a happy note. So we'll probably see her next week. Um, we have a lot to talk about and catch you guys up on. But yeah, I thought you'd start off with a happy note because this episode's a little bit of a downer, guys, but it's important to talk about. Um, first, I want to start off with a thought, and I've been holding on to it for a while, I think it really, this this specific thought that I've been having encompasses the entire franchise that we're creating with the beginning segment, um, the more time that we spend on really understanding and comprehending the origin of different ideas and social issues. I feel like the more common ground we find, because I've been talking to a lot of people who listen to the feminist um, episodes of this segment and said that they connected with it, no matter if they were radical Republican or very much a liberal person, they came to me and they said, I really appreciated the way that you presented the information because it made me appreciate the other side for the first time and think about my real point of view. And I want to focus on that word real, the real point of view. What does that mean? That means that the media has been so much of a driving force on how we think and how we're supposed to think that that is what it is. It's not an an authentic opinion anymore. It's become something that's created by outside sources, which is really scary to think about when we're, you know, we're talking about a democracy, we're talking about something that's supposed to be driven by the people but different people are controlling our brains. It's really scary and really gross, so we're trying to get away with that, and it's not okay. But we're going to create different kind of media where we call them out on their their shit, and we're saying, oh, no, no, we're going to be one again because we're going to talk about the beginning of these issues and how you partitioned us in the first place. So... It goes any topic that we talk about. We talk about feminism. We talk about vaccines. All hot button topics that the media has us thinking of in a different divided way, they all come from an original idea that's designed to actually bring us together. Think about this. We're not talking about vaccines today, but what's what's the goal of a vaccination in the old days? The very first goal was to heal people and make people better so that they survive. Not to create political anarchy and make us all want to kill each other because we care about whether or not the person's getting a vaccine and why. How did that even happen? Like, how did that original idea become so gross? I'm going to use gross a lot today because, quite frankly, I'm feeling mad. So here we go. Um... When you take that extra time to understand the history of how things started and figure out where that split of ideas happened, it's really healing and it's really something to hold on to. It's kind of like doing, 
this is going to sound really morbid and especially with the topic that we're going for today, it's like doing a reverse autopsy. Instead of finding the cause of death, we're figuring out how an idea was born and discovering how it evolved so that people now want to kill each other because of this idea. So yeah, the issue is not an easy one, guys, but it's an important one. And we really wanted to do a deep research into this. Alessia helps me with this a lot. I got to give her credit where credit is due. Um, We're talking about mass shootings today. It's not an easy one. We decided to jump into it because we had a lot of crazy, insane thoughts and a lot of melancholy. There's a lot of just like fear right now. So I feel like we need to discuss this um, because that's what we're here for. Um, It's something that we don't really understand. Nobody really understands it, but it should be a motivator to get people from both sides thinking the same way. If anything is going to unite us, this has to, guys, because we need to prevent them from happening. The unfortunate thing about it is it's only getting us more divided because we have these pesky thing called gun laws and these pesky thing called Second Amendment issues that nobody really understands. And we're going to dig deep into it, I promise, because we need to understand the Second Amendment. Probably next episode we'll talk about it. But this episode we're going to talk about the idea of a mass shooting and what it does to society and how we turn on something called subconscious amnesia. Everybody forgets it. It's kind of like we looked into the scientific things about it. It's like when you take a test that was super, super hard. You studied really hard for it, but you pass. So you forget how hard it was until you have to do it again, and then you remember. But the process is kind of your, you have like this amnesia to it because you don't want to remember how hard it was. That's what we're doing with mass shootings. We, it's in our face, right? It's happening. The media's, you know, has it in bold letters that it happened. But it's so scary, and it's quite frankly the one of the first shootings of this trend, this mass shooting trend that's happening that should never be happening was in our backyard in Buffalo, New York. So when it's that close, for me especially me, <laughs> the amnesia sits in where you're just like, it doesn't happen. It can't happen. I, I can't, I can't deal with this right now. And that's what a lot of people do. And it's, it's a human reaction. It's not uncommon. So people become more divided and make these tragedies into political battle about gun laws. Like now you will see a raging liberal post so many tweets and quotes about banning guns completely. And you'll see the radical conservatives add more gunpowder to the nation, like all of those tweets, right? Right. So then there's no common ground. There's only these nasty tweets and these, you know, just raging people. And no one wants to meet in the middle or discuss things. There's more fighting, which makes more, just a lot of more ammunition for the media to use you know, policy, the ideas of policy, the ideas of gun laws, the ideas of Biden, you know, kind of ruling the country. This is like so gross. It's a device to divide us and to get us to think about gun laws. That's all it is. And it's so disgusting. So I want you guys to think about something. A very, the very first, 
what we consider mass shooting was on September 6, 1949 in Camden, New Jersey. Now, this is a controversial first mass shooting because the definition's been changed a lot in the past. Um, Mass shootings truly started way before, like early, early 20th century is, you know, Truthfully, the Wild West, the people shot at, shot at each other, but that was a different artistry of shooting. That was a different um, time period. It was its own kind of like, its own kind of massacre, right? Mass shooting is a lot to do with like more so men- mental illness. Um, so 28-year-old male Howard Unruh killed 13 people that day and injured three. So our first article is actually a historical piece from the Smithsonian Magazine by Patrick Sauer, uh, published on October 14th, 2015. And it paints a really compelling and disturbing picture of that day. So this is a quote. For a couple of years, Unra had been contemplating killing several of his Kramer Hill neighbors over petty squabbles, perceived slights, and name-calling all of which fed into his psychosis. Unra thought the world was out to get him, so he decided to enact revenge on his little corner of it. End quote. Another quote, he went into his apartment, uncased his German lager, I don't know the exact, it's, it's a kind of gun, uh, P08, a 9mm pistol he'd purchased at a sporting goods store in Philadelphia for $37.50 and secured it with two clips and 33 loose cartridges. And unable to sleep, he made yet another mental list of his intended targets, a group of local shopkeepers one would find in a 1950s children's book, the druggist, shoemaker, tailor, and a restaurant owner. In a few hours, on the morning of Tuesday, September 6th, Unruh would embark upon his walk of death, murdering 13 people and wounding three pe- three others in a 20-minute rampage before being hauled off by police after a dangerous firefight. A somewhat forgotten man outside of criminology circles and local old-timers. UNRWA has an early chapter in the tragically all-too-familiar American story of an angry man with a gun inflicting carnage. So it's, like I said, it's not just the amount of casualties, um, it's not just based off of the number of casualties, but the specific qualities the person pulling the trigger has, as well as the type of weapon that the person is carrying. Any kind of like automatic weapon um, is really when they considered the mass shootings to be starting, the genesis of it, if you will. So this is another quote from there. Unruh really matches the mass murder profile. He had a rigid temperament, an inability to accept frustration or people not treating him as well as he wanted, and a feeling of isolation, all things people accept and move on from, says Catherine Ramsland, a professor of forensic psychology and the director of the Master of Arts in Criminal Justice at DeSales University. Right, so now we have that profile in our heads. It's about the psychotic kind of drive that these people have. It's a certain characteristic that they carry with them almost. That's what makes them a mass shooter in the eyes of like society today. That's what we consider the first mass shooting because that was truly kind of what brought it like to fruition. And then from there, we kind of dug a little bit deeper and we'll see that in the next article 
about, okay, wait, but these mass shootings have been going on for a really long time. That's just the first time we recognized it. But what's interesting also is that we are forgetting. I have never, ever read about this man. I have never read about this very first mass shooter. Why are we not talking about this in schools? Last quote from this article. It's um, a quote within a quote with by Harold Shatake. Uh, Shakater, I can't say his last name, a true crime novelist who has written about infamous murders going back to the 19th century. He quotes, there have been notorious killers since America was founded, but you didn't have the the mass shooting phenomenon before UNRWA's time because people didn't have access to semi-automatic weaponry. So it's that other piece of criteria. You have to have that, you know, that mental health profile And you also have to have that semi-automatic weapon. Now we can talk all day about the common profile of all these mass shooters, but ask yourself this. If we know the pattern and the red flags, why are we not coming together to figure out some sort of policy to stop this? Why are we fighting? It's almost 100 years later. How are we here? Why are we fighting about this? Because let me tell you something. My sweet uncle going to hunt deer is so different than this type of murder. And I think what's interesting is, I think it's because these people, the the typical shooter, the profile is like a, a middle, like a young or middle-aged white male. That's very typical with um, issues that he's, that he's actually hidden. So he puts on a mask. So it's hard to see the red flags. It's hard to see where it begins and ends and how he got to this scenario. But shouldn't we be getting better at this? Aren't we talking about mental health all the time? Like, where are we falling apart? We're falling apart because the media is driving us crazy and is distracting us from a bigger issue. I don't want to sit here and talk about like, well, gun law, second amendment, gun law, second amendment. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But let's talk about the humanistic part of it, the real part of it. We don't want to talk about that. Media doesn't want to talk about that. Ask yourselves why and do a little soul searching and do your own research because they're not telling you a lot of stuff. So we'll go on to the next article and I'll let you sit with that for a second. It's diving into the historical elements of this um, mass shooting phenomenon. Um, It's by Maria Esther Hammock, and it's A Brief History of Mass Shootings, published by BehindTheTower.org, summer of 2016. So it offers another perception to when the official first official shooting was. And like we said, first official shooting that we recognized happened, you know, back when we had said... um, Back in, you know, the, the 50s or 1949, if you want to be precise. But then we recognize elements. So now we're like deep diving and we're kind of looking, okay, let's research this a little bit. What are some of the red flags? What are some of the signs? And it also dives into the importance of the world not becoming desensitized to these events. Its main focus This article's main focus is to draw attention to the 1966 shooting uh, at the University of Texas that killed 14 people and injured 31. The more we purposefully forget, the less likely we are to do something to stop it. Remember that forever. Don't build 
desensitization or amnesia to these events. Learn more. It's scary to learn more because the human subconscious response is to block it out. Do not block it out. Be an advocate. Be a person that wants to know more so you can stop it the right way, not the way the media is telling you to, not the way that we're fighting about it. Find a new way. Find a person from a different party and find a new way. Work together. We're going to do some quotes now. The past is remembered through the perception of what is morally right and morally wrong, as well as because of our society's tendency to so readily forget the past. I want that on a t-shirt. That is literally what's happening right now because it's all about perception. It's all about what the media is telling us is wrong and right. We no longer control our own morality, our own sense of what's wrong and right. Um, so I want that on a t-shirt. If anybody can provide that, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, another quote, in order to comprehend the extent of, Co- of Columbine, Charleston, Sandy Hook, and Virginia Tech, and other mass shootings of today, um, we must examine those that happened in the past and see how or if these historical occurrences have shaped how we understand the different current shootings. So important, guys. Knowing your history, knowing where an idea or a tragedy started is so important. You're doing this deep dive into how it all started. You're, beca- you're an investigator. Newsflash, news reporters and politicians used to serve this purpose, used to be our investigators. They used to, they built this trust, say, hey, we're going to do all the hard work for you guys. Don't even worry about it. And they put us to sleep so that we don't do any of the hard and critical thinking. And they just tell us and we're supposed to believe them. Don't do that. Be your own advocate. Be your own news person. Make your own opinions. Do not base it off of what the news is telling you. Whatever side you're on, don't listen to them. Create a sense based off of what you believe, your morals, and dig deep into both sides and then make your decision. And then usually with tragedies like this, a lot of people will go for the humanistic approach, the humane approach. How can we save more lives? That's literally all we need to be asking. On March 28th, 1891, a man with a double-barreled shotgun that fired upon a crowd of students and faculty attending a school exhibition in Parson Hall Schoolhouse in Liberty, Mississippi. The perpetrator wounded over 14 people, mostly children, with several being seriously wounded. This incident is perhaps one of the earliest reported school mass shootings in the country. The mass shootings that occurred in 1891 appear to be so far detached time-wise that today they are little known. Why, friends? Why are they little known? What is going on? Why are we not teaching these kids these events? It's scary. Cool. It's scary. But it's happening. And it's still happening. Why is history repeating itself from 1891, guys? Why? Because 
the media is distracting us and I don't understand why, but we're going to figure it out together. And this is a crazy bumpy journey and I'm really upset. <laughs> um, so I'm just spitting facts right now to try to make sense of it. In, eight, in 1966, the tower shooting happened in Austin. The headlines of the day failed to recall any mass shootings that happened before the turn of the 20th century, almost as if they had been erased in our society, in our society's collective memory. Not Okay. I think it's really important, and this goes. This is a PSA for also people who work in the network or media. If you have people's attention, use that space. Use your space of advocacy and your space to announce real news as a real space. So talk about past stuff that was really scary and how we can prevent it. Talk about it. Do not hide it. It happened. And this is another quote. It's going to help kind of tie this all together. Although it is a painful task to examine the histories of these incidents, it is important that we do, for there may be many lessons to be learned from them. Mass shootings have rendered our society a sort of collective amnesia. That's what I was talking about earlier in the, in the episode. Examining the history of mass shootings creates more questions than lessons for us today. Why? Ugh. I just, I need a minute. <laughs> oh my gosh, not because I'm blanking, because I'm just so upset. It's just, this pattern is inexcusable for our nation and it needs to stop. Are the lessons from the past shootings that we have occurred feasible to heed or are mass shootings an inevitable part of mo- modernity that we must accept? That's so gross. I never want to be able to accept this. I never want to be afraid to go grocery shopping. I'm afraid to go grocery shopping. Like, period. Like, I'm so... Like, what? I'm a person, truthfully, that is... I appreciate... I'm not saying that I'm, like, you know, a crazy shooter or anything like that. But I, I, you know, I enjoy going to the shooting range. I enjoy it as a sport. I enjoy the the protectiveness that it gives us. I enjoy what a gun was originally designed to do. I don't enjoy mentally ill people rampaging and killing my loved ones, potentially. I don't enjoy that. And I don't think you do either. So think about this. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to like tie it again with the end quote of our last the um, the article. How we, as both a community and individuals, can take the lessons offered through our past history to help address the painful memory of the 1966 mass shootings and hopefully in order understand how to begin to heal. We will not begin to heal unless we start to not forget. Do not forget these what I'm telling you today, it's scary, but face your fears head on because we need this. My main question and qualm that I have after doing all this research is, is the media helping with this amnesia or is it scientifically something in our brain that avoids the trauma? It is. It's both. So it's the media navigating through what our brain does naturally and manipulating it in a way because like I said, we're turned off. We do not want to do this research. We trust that the media is doing the research for us. 
they're telling us the wrong th- the wrong things, guys, because they've built a ladder of trust in the past where politicians and news people used to do the research and used to present us the real stories. It got fabricated somewhere and it's not the real story. So do your own research and dig deep if you really want to know and really want to be an advocate. Because I know that there is something in our brains that blocks out certain traumas and creates an amnesic effect. I know this. But shouldn't that be more of a reason for the media and our politicians to be present? Use Again, use their space and raise awareness to try to fight it? Not just no guns. What is that going to do? What is that going to do? Why is this part of our history repeating itself so much? It's like Groundhog's Day, but a horror, a horror movie. And everyone is still scrambling to figure out how to stop it. Stop the Groundhog's Day. Everybody wake up. Let's go. Figure it out. I'm going to end on a little bit of a, a leadership issue that we're having. We are having a leadership issue. We are having a pattern issue. Back in, I think it was 2015, we had those crazy terrorist attacks. Terrorists were just like coming up from the weeds. You turned around, there was a terrorist attack. You turned around, there was a mass shooting. It just, I don't understand. Obama was in office. We turn around in Trump's in office. Huh, I'm not seeing a lot of this. Interesting. I was really intrigued. I was like, is it being hidden? Are we not being told certain things because he has certain alibis or certain things? No, we killed, we fully killed like an Iranian ruler, like a a terrorist ruler. He killed the leader. He didn't let it happen. He just killed him. No questions asked. Okay, it stopped it. Here's a little food for thought, guys. Closing statement that's going to segue into the next episode because I'm mad and leadership has a lot to do with this and the media reflects leadership. World is one news in January 24, 2022, before all of these shootings have happened. So this is January 24, 2022. Reports 32% more gun violence than while Trump was in office. The Gun Violence Archive, GVA, a gun a U.S. gun violence monitoring group reported that there were over 5,000 more fatal shootings during Joe Biden's first year in office compared to Donald Trump's first year as president. According to the Gun Violence Archive, the United States saw 44,868 gun deaths in Biden's first year as president. And that is not including all the tragedies we've seen in the last couple weeks. No, it's not acceptable. I'm not having it. I don't want it. I don't accept it. (laughs) So we talked a lot about heavy stuff today, but the food for thought is be an advocate. Do your own research. Know who you're voting for. Because let me tell you something. If if, uh, Joe Schmo was a Republican and like was wonky and I didn't feel right about him in my stomach, I'd vote for the freaking Democrat. I don't care as long as this doesn't happen. Do your research. Know who you're voting for. Know what is happening, right? And it's nothing. I don't like when people disrespect the president, but these are hard facts, guys. These are facts. They're scary facts. We have extremes. We have someone who is like, no more guns. Stop it. Stop it just talking about it. And 
making people mad. It's like poking the bear. Why are you poking the bear? Just do it, bud. Just do it. Like, take action. Take away the, like, I don't know. I don't want you to take away the guns, but you know what? Do something because Trump literally killed the leader of an ISIS group. So do something. Do something. He won't. It's fine. That was my little Republican rant. And I'm allowed it because it's my podcast and it's about both sides. And that was me talking about both sides. Be mad at me, retaliate, but do it with facts, friends, because I don't want to hear it if there's not backed up with facts because I got a fat statistic right here for you. 44,868 gun deaths minus or plus all the ones that we just experienced. Unacceptable number. I want it to be fixed. I hope y'all can help me fix it. Next week, we're going to talk about the Second Amendment, I think. Um... If it's too heavy, because this was a lot for me, this is very emotional, um, and it was just emotionally charged because it's, it is creating a lot of just day-to-day anxiety to leave the house. It's making me more hyper-aware. It's making me on my knees praying that my family gets home safe every day. It's just, it's a lot of, it's just a lot of strife that the, all the country's facing right now, and there's no certainty. It's like every day is a war zone, more so than it already was. And I think we now know kind of how we got here because nobody wants to talk about it. It's all amnesia. But we're dealing with it inside. And the more that it festers and we don't talk about it, the worse it gets. So this was my little therapy session also for myself because I needed it. And facts comfort me. So knowing that this has been happening, knowing that there's patterns knowing that I want to stop it and that you guys will hopefully help me stop it makes me feel good and happy and fuzzy again. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support. I might do a rant next week because quite frankly, I'm in a ranting kind of mood and maybe I'll do it with a sibling if Alessia is not available because she's awesome and she got into Miami and she's too cool for this podcast, I guess. Um, Seriously, guys, I hope you guys stay safe. I hope I pray if anybody um, is listening who has a person that they've lost in these tragedies, I am deeply sorry, and I hope that you join me in the advocacy to stop it without having to take things away from people that love, love guns for different reasons, because there are different reasons for people to enjoy guns people collect them there's different ways of appreciating something it's a it's a metaphor for protection it's it's a lot of things but it's not designed for this so i feel like if we really work hard together we can take away that element of unsafety we have to work together though guys we can't do it alone we can't be partitioned like this We have to get away from the media. Focus on my media. I'm creating a whole new platform of media right now. Focus on this. And let's do this together. Please. Have everybody that you know listen to this podcast because I am so serious. Reach out to me. Well, I'm going to, I want to do something. I'm sick of this. (laughs) Like, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this to be my country. I'm ashamed of my country right now. And I don't ever want to say that, but I am. So, Let's do this. Let's do this and let's start fresh. I'm excited um, because I have a lot of hope for us because I believe in us, especially my listeners. You guys are incredible and you believe in 
me because you're still listening to me. So I appreciate you. Um, yeah, follow us on Instagram, follow us on um, Twitter. Next week's probably going to be a rant. Who am I kidding? I just love to hear myself talk and that was a lot of seriousness. So I need to loosen up a little bit. Uh, but let me know if you really want something serious, I'll give it to you. Whatever people want, I'll give. Um, bye friends. I hope you have an amazing weekend and be safe. Bye.